Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs. The Danny Mac Show with BK. Podcast powered by I Promise. Now, here's Danny Mac with BK. Tuesday edition, Danny Mac Show on 101 ESPN, and away we go. The Milwaukee Brewers are in town. It begins an eight-game homestand for St. Louis. You have three with Milwaukee. Then it's Pittsburgh for three, and then you have uh, two with Detroit. So let's find out what we, um, well, what we saw on the road trip against lesser teams. Pittsburgh, Kansas City, and now it's for real starting tonight with the Brewers. And you have 13 games left, by the way, with the uh, Milwaukee Brewers. And it's lined up for Craig Council's club with his pitching. The Cardinals, at least two of the three, it's lined up for them, starting with Adam Wainwright tonight and then Jack Flaherty in game two. BK, good morning. Looking forward to tonight. Should be fun. It should be a fun one. This series should be a fun one. And, Dan, it's our last chance before really the month of September to find out what the Cardinals are like against good teams because after this you've got three more against Pittsburgh. You've got two after that against Detroit and then another four against Pittsburgh after that. September is a big test. This team, after those series against Pittsburgh and Detroit, basically plays quality opponents the rest of the season. This is our first real chance in a minute to find out, okay, we've seen the Cardinals changes. They are tangible now. The numbers are there to back them up. Does this sustain against quality opponents? We've seen it be good against the bad ones. Can this work as well against the good ones? And the Brewers are certainly a damn good one, Dan. So this is interesting. The Cardinals have 13 games left against the Brewers, 45 total games remaining. Uh, Just doing a little quick math here. That's just under 30%. It's tied for the second most games the Cardinals have played against one opponent in any season's final 45. By the way, to find that number... You have to go back to 1900. Prior to that, it was 1882. My God. It's an oddity of the schedule this year. And unfortunately for the Cardinals, their perspective, Milwaukee, is really good. They've got three guys that are in the top five of ERA in all of Major League Baseball. They lead since the All-Star break in ERA. Starting pitching is 2.35. The Dodgers, 2.73. The St. Louis Cardinals are third. 364. Does that shock you to hear that? It is surprising. Yeah. If you look back at what this uh, rotation, though, in particular has been since the rotation, it's been really good. Um, I know yesterday we we cited some of the numbers in this winning streak. It's been phenomenal. It's like a 1.3 ERA in this winning streak for the Cardinals. So it's surprising, but it makes some sense given the fact that they're just throwing strikes. They've walked six guys in their last six games, Dan. That tends to work out pretty well for you. Now, as much as we have uh, been at times frustrated with the offense, time to give them some credit. The last time the Cardinals scored four or more runs in 11 straight, they had 11-game streak in 2017 didn't happen last year didn't happen in 18 it happened in didn't happen in 19 when they went to the nlcs happened in 17 last time four more runs in 12 straight which they could do tonight all the way back in 2004 wow that's when you had the mv3 and then you added larry walker so didn't do it on 11 didn't do it on 13 that's amazing yeah so i mean let's give them a little bit of credit now i mentioned this uh on the crossover you know, of the things that you look at that has been a positive this year, and there have been positives. How about Nolan Arenado right now? 
Last Cardinal, 25 or more home runs, 50 or more extra base hits, 75 or more runs batted in through the first 114 games. BK, you have to go back to 2012. That was Carlos Beltran. And right now, he is the only National League player to do that. There's five in baseball. There's one from the National League, and it's him. Vladimir Guerrero, Rafael Devers, Matt Olson, Shohei Otani, and Nolan Arenado. Before, it was Carlos Beltran. Albert Pujols did it six out of seven years. Yeah. Uh, it was re- just ridiculous to see what he was doing, but... Nolan Arenado, if the Cardinals, let's just say in the final 45 games, go on a run and uh, and make it into postseason play and somehow find their, their way into the wild card, Nolan Arenado could be considered the MVP of the National League. He's He's got to be in consideration now with the team in consideration for postseason play. And the reason why is because there's not really a guy that is standing out right now in the National League as being the clear-cut favorite. Like you would look around the league, and I just I don't know that there's anybody that's overwhelmed you this season the way that we've seen in years past. Max Muncy has put up tremendous numbers this season for Mention the Dodgers. Yep. Maybe he's somebody that you look at. Trey Turner, although with him switching teams, I don't know how much that plays into something like this. Uh, Brandon Crawford is up there. Bryce Harper had a little bit of a stretch there where people were talking about him as being that guy. Willie Adamas, given the impact that he's had on the Brewers lineup, maybe you give some consideration there. But Nolan Arenado is right up there with any of them. And I, we talked about this yesterday, Dan. He's on pace now for 40 doubles, 35 homers, and 105 RBI. So let me throw a name out there that you did not mention, and I don't think anybody talks about him, but after watching him in St. Louis in the sweep of the Cardinals and really started doing more of a deep dive on his season, Austin Riley, third baseman of the Atlanta Braves. Yep. He has had a heck of a year, and no one talks about it. Maybe just because it's Austin Riley. I I don't know. I mean, but look at his numbers. And if they get into postseason play and what they did at the trade deadline to put themselves in this position, I think you have to look at him, too. I think he's worthy of consideration. I, I think this year the list is like 10 deep of guys that you could give serious consideration for in the National League. And that's different than what we've seen in the past. I mean, you've seen some years, Mookie Betts, for example, where just runs away with it. Um, I thought it was going to be a Fernando Tatis Jr. year where he just ends up being the stud that takes this thing all the way to the end. But the injuries have really caught up with him, and now you're in a situation where the Padres might not even make the playoffs. So it's difficult to kind of hand the award to somebody like that. So Corbin Burns, seven and four, two two three ERA against Wayno tonight, eleven and six. Wayno, love him at home. I, I don't care who's on the other side. Wayno at home with uh, a money kind of game like this. I'll tell you what, it's going to be fun at the ballpark. Then you got Peralta, Flaherty, Peralta nine and three, Flaherty nine and one. And then Woodruff, we know, will go on Thursday, still to be determined for the Cardinals on Thursday in the uh, direction they go. By the way, if you have a ticket, the game is at 645 tonight. So is school back in session. They move up the start times. If uh, kids want to come out, the families want to come out 645 with the first pitch. Cardinals enter this series, 10 back of the Brewers in the Central, 13 head-to-head remaining. They are four games back, though, of the Padres for the last wild card spot, two and a half back of the Reds. Um, John Mosellock, it's interesting, he was on the morning show, I guess it was a couple of weeks ago, and they said, okay, what's the best case scenario right now for your club? Well, it would be to sneak into the wild card, really. I mean, I think that's that's the most realistic. I mean, obviously, you don't want to say you're not trying to chase someone right now, but if you're looking at the you know best case and most realistic, it would be to you know get at least a 
a one-game playoff and see where you go. Um, but, you know, I, I think if you had Jack Flaherty starting that game, you'd feel pretty good about your chances. I would agree with that, but you got to get there first. Nolan Arenado was asked about the chances to make the playoffs. You know, this organization is uh, it's, it's always going to be in it, and this is why you know I'm here, um, and because we're in it, and uh, we have a chance. So just got to continue to fight. We're playing great baseball right now, and we just got to continue to do that. But uh, absolutely, that's why I'm here. I just want to continue to contribute. You know, that's why I'm here is to contribute to this this great team. Katie Wu of the Athletic was a part of your show yesterday. Does she buy into the playoff push right now for the Cardinals? If the Cardinals can take two or three against those Brewers, you know, I, I think that you can get your hopes up. But, you know, they have, they've shown reason why they can why fans can be optimistic right now. And I know, yes, they won six straight. Yes, eight out of nine. Sweeping teams are hard no matter who the opponent is. And if you think back to June and July, they weren't beating teams of this caliber. This is a Brewers team that is vastly different from the last time they faced off three months ago. I mean, they have Adonis, they have Escobar, they have Rowdy Telez. So this is a completely different Brewers team than from what the Cardinals had to grind out a very gritty series win in May in Milwaukee. Um, and this is also a very different Cardinals team. It is a different team because the the rotation is remade. And to me, the bullpen is not getting enough of the look of what's happening right now. When you when you look at what TJ McFarland has done, I mean, it's not going to jump off the page and go, oh my gosh, we got TJ McFarland. But then you look at the numbers, you go, oh yeah, that, that's a lot better well, than yeah, it was McFarland. two and a half months ago. <laughs> How about Luis Garcia? He has been filthy, unscored upon in his last 10 appearances with zero walks. And I mean, he's throwing 98 with sink. He's got a good slider. Maybe he just needed a chance, change of scenery. Didn't look when they first got him, and I saw him the first couple of times. I was like, oh boy. Yep, you and me both did. <laughs> this fits right in with what's been going on this year. And now I look forward to when he's on the mound. He's he's nasty. So now you've got somebody else outside the big three that you can count on. Yeah, they've had a little bit of depth that started to develop, both in their bullpen and, Dan, honestly, in their position player side of things, too. You saw over the weekend Rondon getting in on the action offensively. Edmundo Sosa with like 30 minutes to spare right before the game finds out I think it was Saturday that he's going to be in the starting lineup. And he goes out there and has a great game. We thought four hits ended up being three with the error. Does he um, start tonight? I think so. Yeah, I would put him out there. I, they said at the beginning of the year, if he hit, you play. Well, he's hitting. And by the way, he's playing tremendous defense at yeah. shortstop for you. I Gives would put you him energy. out there. Yeah, yeah. I, it's going to be one of the tough decisions, I think, for Mike Schilt to make. The Cardinals, by the way, in terms of playing these teams that are 500 or better, the Cardinals are 20 and 32 this year against teams 500 or above. Only teams worse in those spots, Rockies, Nationals, Pirates, and Diamondbacks. So it does... Uh, Beg the question, what we've just seen, is it fool's gold? That's Mike Claiborne of the Cardinals broadcast. I mean, you know, when you think about the last two teams they faced in Pittsburgh and Kansas City, I mean, they're combined, what, 52 games under 500. You know, overall, I think it's going to be a very good test, and I think it's one that's going to be well needed because, let's face it, you get into postseason play, if you're fortunate enough to get into postseason play, you're going to play a good team, okay? Good teams make postseason. And if you don't know how to beat them now, then you're just wasting everybody's time thinking you could beat them later. Mike Claiborne of the Cardinals broadcast on the radio side. We're going to visit with the Brewers play-by-play broadcaster and also does a lot of the national stuff for Turner Sports. That's uh, Brian Anderson. So that's coming up. I am curious. Give me your best-case scenario. What do you want to see? 
I mean, best case scenario is a sweep, but what, yeah. you, what are you realistic with with this? Um, so I think the way that I want to see this thing play out, Dan, let's be honest. Realistically speaking, the offense isn't going to look great in this series, probably. Like that's Nobody has looked great offensively against the Brewers this year because of the pitchers that you're going up against. So my best case scenario is your revamped starters, your revamped bullpen. It looks awesome. And you win this series, hopefully a sweep, but even if it's two out of three, with games that are like three to two, just crisp, clean baseball. You win on the back of pitching and defense. That's going to be the identity of this team down the stretch. If you can do that, I think that's best case scenario because I think that's sustainable. I don't think it's sustainable for this team to score 15 runs against the Brewers. That feels more like a one-off. I want to see what appears to be a team that's really turned the corner and plays the way that I think they're capable of down the stretch. I want to see two out of three. Yep. You do two out of three, fine with that. Then you got Pittsburgh. I want to see a sweep or two out of three. Detroit comes in, want to see them win those two. Now, if you come out of that homestand like that, then you've got some believers. Then you got people back on the bandwagon and saying, okay, this final month is going to be fun. And the team has shown that now they're going to have a lot of tough games after that, after Detroit is done, but they've at least put themselves in a position to make this fun down the stretch, which they've done uh, starting tonight with just being four games out in the wild card. I think this series is just so incredibly critical for this team, for the fans, really, honestly, because of the feeling that you'll get after it. If they were to get swept, I think it would completely take all of the air out oh. of the balloon. You know, that's the kind yeah. of thing. Like if, if, this series just has such an outsized uh, importance relative to the rest of this month. It reminds me, Dan, of being a Missouri fan because with <laughs> Barry Odom as the head coach every year, you'd go into the season. You'd be like, I think this is the year. And then I remember against Wyoming, the season opener. I think this was two years ago. Now it was the year that he got fired. They went into that game. You had Kelly Bryan as your quarterback. He's coming over from Clemson. You're excited about it. It's going to be the year. This is the year that the Mizzou could maybe put things together. They lose that opener at Wyoming, and Mizzou fans were done. It didn't matter what happened to the rest of the year. It was over. That's how this series feels for me uh, for the Cardinals. I know they could still technically make the playoffs, but if you don't win this series or at least look good in it, winning two out of three potentially, I think a lot of Cardinals fans are going to say, yeah, it was fool's gold. It's all fake. I don't care what happens against Pittsburgh, Detroit. I'm out. I'm done with this. Well, looking forward to it. We'll find out tonight. 645, the first pitch, 6 o'clock pregame on Bally Sports. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. from uh, Tanner late yesterday afternoon he said Brian Anderson is coming on our program and at that point I stopped in my tracks I said I am so excited now to visit with the play-by-play voice on television and of Turner Sports Brian Anderson a great friend of mine BK and BA I got to tell you the excitement has not waned good morning to you and thanks for coming on I mean if I'd have known it was your show, maybe I would have thought longer and harder about this decision. Again, one of my great friends in life, <laughs> Brian Anderson, is with us, everybody. Thanks a lot, B.A. After I built you up, you come just tear me down. That that hurt a little bit, but I think we uh, we can move on. That's okay. How you doing this morning? I wish I could see you. Um, we're we're kind of stuck in uh, you know our no travel zone still. So oh yeah. I miss all my friends out there. We. 
I've been traveling a little bit for TBS Sunday games, so that's been kind of fun to actually go see some of my uh, compadres. But we're going to be seeing you guys a lot, at least, um, you know, we'll be seeing your team on a monitor in my booth. Is it uh, a... Brewers Cardinals play a lot here in the last 40 games. I think it's 13 times in the last 40 games. Yeah, 13 times. Cardinals have 45 left. 13 of the 45 are against the uh, Brewers. I did some numbers. For the Cardinals' remaining schedule of 45 games in their history, you have to go back to the early 1900s, late 1800s, to find a situation in which they faced a team 13 of the 45, which is just under 30%. That's hard to imagine, but it, uh, it, it adds some intrigue to this because... From our perspective, and I don't know about from your perspective, I mean, it's a 10-game lead, but for the Cardinals, it makes it interesting here down the stretch. You guys are in it. I mean, you're totally in it, uh, especially for a wild-card spot. I think um, the Padres are a mess right now, as you know, and you know they got starting pitching issues. they got Arietta. They signed that. I mean, they, they just they don't have – they don't have any pitchers. And so I think they're – they're vulnerable. They they feel like the Mets to me right now. Um, they feel like the Mets felt to me two weeks ago. Let's put it that way. Yeah. That's what the Padres feel like to me. So uh, you guys are totally in it. Your pitching is, you know, you're getting healthy at the right time. You've been known for your late season surges in the past. Everybody in Milwaukee certainly remembers 2011. Um, so, yeah, I, I think um, – I think I think the Cardinals have everybody on notice. I think the Reds have everybody on notice. It's so funny because, you know, all year long, the idea that the National League Central, and I've heard it so much, the National League Central is the worst, the worst division. It's, uh, And I don't believe that. I didn't believe that then. Uh, none of the teams played great out of the gates, but I think um, I think there could be three, at least two National League Central teams. I think there could be. I don't think there's going to be three. I think there could be two National League Central teams in the postseason, a division winner and a wild card entry. And, um, you know, and I think the Cardinals and the Reds can stake their claim. It's interesting, Brian, because I feel like we all kind of hold on to our priors for so long in the baseball season. We all know you can't predict baseball, but then we get in and it's July and we're like, yeah, I'm just not sure that that Giants team, I don't know if this is going to sustain. And I feel like it was the same way for a lot of people with the Brewers this year where everybody was kind of waiting and it was like, okay, yeah, they're good, but I don't believe they're up there with the Dodgers or the Padres. At what point did you buy in when you realized and you knew for certain, oh, okay, this isn't just a good team. This is a, a really good team with the potential to have a special season. Well, I bought in with the pitching from day one. I mean, that's kind of been building for the last couple of years that Burns, Woodruff, Peralta, you know, what we call the big three here. Um, I just wasn't sure based on the 60 game schedule last year, innings ramp up all of that, how that was going to play into it. But those three guys, um, you know, they're, they're all aces and they, they all will get Cy Young votes in my opinion. And, you know, I hope one of those guys wins a Cy Young award. I think one of those guys deserves it. They'll probably split the votes, but so the pitching, I was a total believer uh, I was not a believer in their offense. You know, they, they lost a bunch, obviously losing a guy like Braun, kind of that leader, not just in the clubhouse, but just like game planning and talking guys through slumps and whatnot. I uh, love the addition of Wong, um, but he, he got hurt. He was hurt a lot early in the season, got hurt in St. Louis, actually. 
Um, Kane missed most of the season. Yelich has just not been the same guy. So it just didn't feel like a good offensive team. Uh, what you'll see tonight is unrecognizable to me. I mean, really, there's a number. Uh, we, we There's two dates. There's what we call Willie Adamas Day. <laughs> That's when the whole team changed. That, that was, was May, May 21st, wasn't it? 21st yeah, or 22nd? Trade, yeah. Trade was 21st. He His first game was the 22nd. And since that date, the Brewers have had the best record. And there's another date in there that's a little sneakier but interesting. It's June 26th. And since June 26th, uh, the Brewers have had a much different offense. They're, they're a much higher batting average, on-base percentage, more slug. Just They don't look like the team that was there for the first two months. So, And then they made some nice trades. I mean, picking up Escobar, not Adamas was, is going to be the best trade. That was just a May trade, kind of slipped under the radar. But, you know, picking up Eduardo Escobar from the Diamondbacks was a sneaky little trade as well. And he's been great. And then at, simultaneously, Lorenzo Kane came back. He's been great. Yelich hopefully is starting to hit a little better. Wong is now getting settled in and back. So the, the offensive team that I saw in the first two months of the season is not what you're seeing right now. So that that's the only reason I didn't – I wasn't quite buying in with – World Series aspirations. Now I think I am because they have great pitching, and that's not something Milwaukee has boasted often at this level. Great starters, great finishing pitchers. You know, really good bullpen to lead to Williams and Hader, who are as good of a one-two punch at the back end. So yeah, everybody's really excited in this market, especially coming off the Bucks championship. You know, there's that whole feeling that. This could be Milwaukee's year. You know, the other one that kind of flies under the radar is Hunter Strickland. And you guys got him from the Angels. It was in the middle of June, 17 games in a 147 ERA. You got Boxberger, and then you get to Devin Williams, the St. Louis kid, and, and Josh Hader. So I understand that all your starters get a lot of the attention, but man, that bullpen is pretty good too. It is. They're all different. And, um, you know, Strickland, Strickland's a nice ad. Boxberger's been really good. He's been an all-star closer. Uh, the Brewers had this whole COVID run where they lost a bunch of players, including four what I would consider A relievers, all at the same time, including Hayter. So all those guys are back now. But there's been a couple of guys that have really surprised up from the minor league system. Uh, the Brewers don't get a lot of praise for their minor league system, but then They've had two guys that have just destroyed it. Um, Miguel Sanchez and this kid, uh, Jake Cousins, who was an indie ball last year. Jake Cousins has been incredible. So there are, there are a couple of no-name guys as far as, you know, in the plans in spring training, let's say, but they've been as important as anybody. And so then you've got the suitor, you know, so everybody's Everybody's different. Everybody's got their own arm slot, velocity, left, right. They did make a couple of additions at the trade deadline in John Curtis and Daniel Norris. Unfortunately, John Curtis had a UCL tear last week, so he's out for the season. That was a pretty big blow. They got him to be that, you know, fifth, sixth inning bridge guy. Uh, Norris has not pitched well, a lefty from Detroit. But everybody else has, and I think, you know, the bullpen has done a great job. Suter's just kind of the Swiss Army knife guy that everybody has trouble with. You know him, Danny. I mean, he's just 
<laughs> he starts games. He finishes games. He, he got a save the other day. Uh, he can be a bridge guy. And I mean, he's an incredibly valuable pitcher that throws 88 miles an hour that nobody can seem to square up. So they've got the full gamut of uh, style and stuff. And I think they, they feel great about their, their pitching staff. And remember you get into a playoff series, you always drop one starter back. You know, you only need four starters right now. The Brewers are functioning with six starters. So there are going to be two starters that are going to fall back into that bullpen as well. So um, I think the Brewers love being under the radar and feel like they can make a run because of their pitching. And Shooter is a uh, broadcaster's dream, too. He gets the ball, oh my God. and he throws, and he <laughs> just gets it and goes, and it's the, the fastest guy in the history of the sport, so it's beautiful. Yeah, and Brett Anderson's the same. It's just I, lo- I love when those guys pitch, man. It's, it's a beautiful thing. No doubt. I got to ask you as well about Rowdy Telez because we've heard mm. uh, really all season long about the Brewers, or at least prior to Telez, about the Brewers' issues at first base. They don't have anybody that can be a power bat there. And then he comes in, and now he's got an OPS with the Brewers of over 1,000. What the heck, B.A.? Where'd this guy come from? Oh, man, what a great story. He is. He came from Toronto. Um, he came out of nowhere. It was a sneaky little move the Brewers made with – so, you know, the idea at first base was um, Keston Hira. And, you know, Keston was – Keston and Christian Yelich were the two and three hitters to start the year. And Keston Hira has had a pretty good track record already, first-round draft pick. For whatever reason, he's fallen off the face of the earth. He had a terrible 2020, uh, hoping that was an anomaly. It wasn't. So they put him at first base, moved him off second when they signed Wong. And it was a disaster. You know, his mother is is undergoing cancer treatment. He's just had a brutal year off the field. Personally, he's really close with his mom. It's really affected him. Um, so that hasn't worked. So then they pivoted a little bit. And then it was guys like Travis Shaw who ended up dislocating his shoulder. It was guys like Daniel Vogelback who injured his hamstring. They used Jace Peterson over there. They've used Escobar over there. It's just been this revolving door. And, so they went and after Vogelback injured his hamstring, they kind of did just a, I don't know if it's disrespectful to say, but they just, they needed a warm body to play first base for a while. And the guy who was blocked at, in Toronto, obviously was Rowdy Telez. And so the Brewers have been really good about finding players who have been blocked elsewhere that, you know, might have something to bring Travis Shaw being a great example with Boston back in the day, but they brought in Rowdy Telez and, uh, you know, just kind of a platoon player to start. And he's erased all of that because he's hit lefties. Look at his numbers against left-handed hitting, uh, left-handed pitching. He's been 325 against him. It's crazy. Average. It's crazy. This guy has been like, he's found it, you know, and he's comfortable. And there's a great culture in Milwaukee. People, you know, you feel welcomed immediately. The Brewers have used like 60 players, a franchise record. Um, but Telez has been one of these amazing stories you give a guy a chance and he's actually been one of the best contributors that they've had you know Yelich is an interesting uh component of this because if he could get going I mean all bets are off maybe with the Milwaukee Brewers and you think about the kneecap and the injury the broken kneecap it was early September of 2019 and then you had the COVID shutdown last year and and rehab gets all messed up 
So I, I got to wonder, you know, what's going on with Christian Yelich? Is it the kneecap? I, I know he's coming off of COVID. He had mild symptoms, um, but he's not the same player. What, what are you seeing right now with Christian Yelich? Yeah, I think the big deal is the back. That's uh, He's got a chronic back injury problem. He was on the injured list twice early in the season. I think it affected him more, the ramp up, the start up, the cold weather, all of that. Um, so he's been back and, you know, been active other than the COVID, uh, window, but he's not the same hitter. I mean, I don't know. There's no other way to put it. He's just, he's not, he's, he's still Christian Yelich. He's in a long-term deal. He's the face of the franchise, but, um, he's, he's, he's not a good hitter right now. And actually had a decent series in Pittsburgh. You know, there's kind of these windows where he swings it a little bit. He's hitting with no power, hardly, um, Still runs the base as well. Still does things to win games. He's a really good outfielder, as you know. And it's not like <clears throat> it's a total mess, but you know, between he and Jackie Bradley Jr., uh, these are a couple of guys that they were counting on a little bit. And both have struggled at the plate. And certainly, Yelich is, was the centerpiece of the offense. So I don't know what to say. He works at it every day. Is you know, his hitting coach is Andy Haynes. Andy Haynes has known Christian since he was in the minor leagues with the Marlins. I mean, they know each other. They've known each other for a decade. Um, they work at it every day. I think Yelich is, you'll see his body language is is not great. You know, I don't think he feels healthy is my opinion. I, I'm not on the field or I'm not with the team. So I don't, I haven't really, I haven't even spoken to Christian all year, actually, which is sad. But um, I, I just don't see the same kind of life in him, you know, and for me, when you watch players who are fighting injuries, uh, you know, they don't have the same life. They don't have the same joy because they're struggling, you know, and they're trying to get through it. And he's feeling the burden of a big contract. And remember he signed March of 2020, right before the shutdown, he, he, they had, he had pursued the brewers and they agreed to a long-term deal, nine year contract. So is a major thing for Milwaukee. You know, the Brewers aren't like most other franchises. They can't withstand huge contracts with no production. So there's a lot of pressure on this whole thing here with Yelich and the Brewers and where they can go um, with or without him. So, you know, we'll see. Hopefully he has a finishing kick. But uh, I'm just not sure he's healthy. That That's what I would say. But we'll, we'll see. Brian Anderson is our guest for another couple of minutes here on 101 ESPN, the Brewers play-by-play broadcaster. Brian, it's kind of a little bit of a follow-up question to that answer, but we've talked a lot about what the future holds for the National League Central and kind of how the Cardinals compare to the other teams around them. I mean, Christian Yelich is a big part of this, of course, but do you feel like we're about to watch maybe a three- to five-year stretch of the Brewers and the Cardinals competing for uh, supremacy in this division? Do you think that's where this is headed? Yeah, and I'd put the Reds in there, too. I think the Reds are really good, um, and they're kind of built. You know, they they finally got some pitching to go along with some offense, and, you know, I think India is going to win the rookie of the year. Um you know, I think Votto has been a really cool story for them and kind of this mentor phase of his career. So pirates and Cubs are going to be down for a while. So I I would say the Brewers, Reds and Cardinals are going to be, you know, this next window of time are going to be the, the three teams that are going to be contending every year. The Cardinals are always going to contend. I mean, they're always going to compete. Got a great general manager. You got to, you know, you, you're always going to have pieces to do that. 
Uh, and the Brewers have this long-term plan with great young pitching, you know, and they're kind of mixing and matching offensively and uh, free agents come to Milwaukee now. You know, that never used to be the case. I think the first guy, the first decent name that even wanted to come to Milwaukee was Jeff Supon after his great years with the Cardinals. Uh, but, you know, that's kind of where the Brewers were. They were, you know, they were surfacing around the B and C free agents. And, you know, there are some guys that, that want to come here. Lorenzo Cain signed a long-term free agent deal. Wong wanted to be in Milwaukee. Um, Yelich decided to stay in Milwaukee. So there's a good vibe. There's a good culture going here. I think Craig Council is well-respected. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think those three teams are going to, are going to be the three teams for a while based on where the Brewers are in their, you know, in their wheel. Hey, B.A., uh, my final question for you is about Colton Wong. Not sure if you've had the chance because of our limitations to visit with players. He's a great guy, so uh, I'm sure you probably have found that out whether you've been around him or not, but he is a wonderful guy, and um, and he's a very good defensive player, as we saw here in St. Louis. He's been hurt a couple of times. He had the oblique. He had the calf issue, but he's a guy that can get it going at the top of that lineup. How would you describe the season uh, for Colton Wong so far with Milwaukee? Yeah, he's been he's been good when he's been out there. You know, I think he felt a lot of that burden of wanting to, you know, be this dynamic player. And he actually got injured in St. Louis, as you remember. Yeah. And that was a really emotional emotional moment for him. I think you could tell how much he loved being a Cardinal and loved being in St. Louis and, you know, the fans there and he and his wife were, you know, so connected to the community and that's been hard here. You know, he, I think that that's what kind of drives guys like Wong and Lorenzo Kane and Jackie Bradley jr. Is what they can do off the field. And, you know, it's, it's a big part of their legacy and what they want to be as players. So that's been cut off a little bit. Um, I think he felt probably more burdened than he should and came back too early from an oblique injury, had to go right back on. Um, so I think Wong's been really good and he's, you know, he's the Brewers. So they think about it as his run prevention unit. You know, it's a little, it's a little, I don't know, strange way to look at it, but we say it all the time, but it is true. And I get why they push this notion of the run prevention unit. It sounds kind of clicky, but it's, it makes sense because it's pitching defensive alignment defense. They know they're not going to be able to score a lot of runs and go get a lot of big bats like an Arenado. You know, the Brewers never had a chance to, to be in play for Arenado. They lost out on Justin Turner. They're just, they're not in the, in that water. So they've got to prevent runs as best they can. And so Wong's a big part of that. So he's been great. And I think uh, he'll have a nice stretch here. Uh, you know, at the end of the season and into the postseason. B.A., as always, it's great to catch up. Thanks for all your work and what you do on uh, the national stuff. We love it on hoops and obviously with baseball. And you have dissected the matchup beautifully today here on 101 <laughs> ESPN. All right, we're all prepped for our game now. This is what we do anyway, so we might as well do it on the air. I'm sure I'll be talking to you in about an hour. So thanks for doing this, <laughs> right, my buddy. man. Appreciate it. Sure. See you guys. You got it. That uh, is the great Brian Anderson. Does a wonderful job on Turner Sports with golf and basketball and uh, Brewers baseball. One of the real good people in our business. It is interesting. May 21st was the day that they uh, traded for Willie Adamas and the Cardinals 
have it's hard to believe, but they have not seen the Brewers with Willie Adamas in uniform. Mm-hmm. Isn't that crazy? It's wild. And I heard uh, earlier today the beat writer for the Brewers was on with Carriker and Smallman. If you missed that, check out the podcast page, 101ESPN.com, the free 101 ESPN app. And he was talking about how the Brewers are already done with their series this year against the Pirates. I think they went 15 and 4, 14 and 5 against them uh, this season. So they're done with that series. They haven't played the Cardinals since, what was it, mid May. It's, it's wild. Dan, he mentioned, by the way, just to kind of recap what we talked about there with Brian Anderson, he mentioned another date. You mentioned the May date, June 26th. Since that date, the Milwaukee Brewers have the second best offense in the sport. They're batting 270 as a team since then with an OPS above 800. So if you hear anybody say, hey, the Brewers can't hit, just immediately tune that person out. It's just not true. They have been a very good hitting team since mid-June, and that now goes back about six, seven weeks. So this is no longer a small sample size. This is a different offense with the guys that they've added to them. Well, Milwaukee right now doing some numbers here. They're on pace for 98 wins. That would break their regular season franchise record of 96. They did that in 2011. Then the Cardinals obviously beat them that year. They did it again in 18. They're 15-2 and two over their past 17 road games, wow. which is something I think that gets overlooked. This team is 20 above 500 on the road. They're way better on the road for whatever reason than they are in their home ballpark. So think about that, too, as they come to town. So it should be fun tonight. Really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be great, and it's just fun to be talking about, you know what? Hey, Cardinals are four games out and uh, have a, a chance to to make some noise here down the stretch. Dan, when was the last time that you can remember? And, and it, I don't think it's been like a decade or anything, but just out of curiosity, this kind of anticipation for one specific series down the stretch. Is mm. it, has it been a few years now since we've seen probably 2019 19, at some point? I would say the uh, the games, the four game series in uh, Chicago. Remember that, and it wound up sure. being a sweep for the Cardinals. It was the game that uh, DeYoung and Molina went back-to-back on mm-hmm. that Saturday. They came back against you Darvish on Sunday. Goldschmidt had a double down the left field line. Yeah, I would say that, that this matches it. Those two teams are going back and forth, and by sweeping the Cubs, that basically put them out of the race. That was the final nail in the coffin. I, I would say this is it. it. It just feels like it's such an important series, and when you've got... I think the thing that really adds to the anticipation is the idea that you could see the Cardinals, what they anticipated being their three best starters, going up against what has been the three best starter for the Brewers as well. I mean, this is going to be a lot of fun. Just from a pure baseball consumer perspective, this is about as good as it gets. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. Always like to kind of go around the horn here with some of the news around Major League Baseball before we wrap up the show. As Tanner mentioned, Field of Dreams game next year, Cubs and Reds. I really thought it was going to be Cubs and Cardinals. I did. I was I was like sold. I thought, okay, Cardinals are going there. That's going to be awesome. Eh, disappointed. Cubs and Reds. So I don't get this, Dan. Um, we give Major League Baseball a lot of credit for what they did with the Field of Dreams game, and for good reason. It was the perfect, perfect storm, and they ended up getting the largest rating for a regular season baseball game in 16 years as a result. Everything they could have asked for and then some. And part of that was because they had two big-time teams. The Chicago White Sox big are markets too. big market, and they've got stars. And you had guys that have like television 
advertising deals. Like, they, 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 it's different. Who on the Cubs are you going to want to see next year? Well, let's see. Patrick Wisdom for me, I guess. I mean, uh, it's, it's just not a team that's going to have national appeal. I understand that it's the Cubs, and they'll always draw to some degree. Chicago will have natural, national appeal. Your television market will have that national appeal. Your local... So, for instance, you know, people wonder why the Cardinals are always on national TV. Take a look at when Sunday Night Baseball puts out their ratings and the Cardinals, if they're 20 above or 20 below, they're the, the number one rated market for that particular, and they're a top sure. 25 market, St. Louis the is. Cubs are going to be terrible I understand year. that, but they're, everybody's going to watch still. I, I don't that think market. they will. No, In no, that no market. you're, you're missing market. my point. In that market. Sure. In and that market, they will. But this was nationally. The, the the White Sox-Yankees game had national appeal to it, and that's what made it so unique for baseball. Instead of being a regional sport for a night, it had national appeal. It appealed to my fiancé. Um, it was the highest-rated female watch sport, uh, baseball game, I think they said, in two decades. Um, this will not be that because it doesn't have that same appeal nationally. Because I can tell you right now, Cubs are going to be bad next year. I, I just... I think it was a strange decision by baseball to go with those specific teams. Well, if you're going to do it, then maybe you do, um, I don't know, Padres, Dodgers, you know, something like that. But understood. Uh, Pirates, I I felt bad for you here. I was worried about you. I wasn't sure if you're going to show up today as they have designated uh, John Nagowski for assignment. You okay? I'm all right. Um, I'm hoping he gets picked up by a team that's in the race, Dan. Hopefully he gains a few uh, few points in the standings. Maybe somebody, I mean, the Padres are going through some injuries right now. Maybe they're a team that gives him a look. Uh, We'll see. I I hope that wherever he lands next, he has a fruitful experience in that market. Well, you heard uh, Brian Anderson talk about the issues of the Padres, and their issues are, number one, keeping Fernando Tatis on the field. So he's playing in right field right now, not playing at shortstop. And their pitching is in shambles. So they signed Jake Arrieta yesterday. Mm -hmm. He gets inserted right into their rotation. The Rays signed David Robertson after he pitched for Team USA in the Olympics. Uh, Dodgers tried with Cole Hamels, did not work out. So he has arm pain. He's on the 60-day IL. And they're on the hook for a million bucks. Not bad for uh, Cole Hamels. Go out (laughs) and make a million bucks for showing up. Yankees manager Aaron Boone says Clint uh, Frazier will play again, even though he's having uh, a lot of vision issues. And that's something that never gets talked about. I mean, always hear about arm, elbow, shoulder, calf, oblique. Man, if a guy can't hit because he can't see, that's pretty tough. Speaking of the American League East, the Rays just keep finding a way. And it was, oh no. Fly ball, deep left center off the bat of Phillips, and that's going to be off the wall. Bounds away from Mullins. Stewart's going to have to make the pickup, and here comes Phillips. He's trying to circle them all inside the park home run. What's sad about that, there's about 5,000 people there in Tampa Bay. So there was no restrictions with their crowd and one of the, I think it was the lowest crowd that they had all season long. And they're such a good team. A lot of, a lot of good names, a lot of good faces, a lot of good uh, players, but, and they're leading one of the toughest divisions in the sport and yet no one's showing up. Now, disclaimer, it is an indoor park. There is a whole lot of COVID issues right now in the Florida area. So I'll throw that out there, but we know this isn't a one-off. This is not something where yeah. it just randomly appeared and people are super worried about COVID and that's why this is happening. This has been an issue for 
for Tampa for a long, long time. And it, it stinks, Dan, because you're right. They are one of the best teams in the sport. They are a fun team to watch. Yeah. Um, and they just they don't draw for whatever reason. It's just not working for them there. And I know baseball has had a keen eye on this for a while. I would imagine they're probably watching this right now a, a little disappointed. So they beat the uh, Orioles 9-2. Orioles have lost 12 in a row. The Cubs have lost 12 in a row. And Joey Votto in that game made some history. Pale. What a year it's been for him. Second player to record his 2,000th hit, 300th home run, 1,000th RBI in the same uh, season. Billy Williams did that back in 1971. We're talking about all these MVP candidates. I wonder if the Reds get in it with the second half that Joey Votto has had. Is he in the consideration for MVP? He's definitely in the conversation. And this is kind of going back to our point that we made earlier. There's a number of guys that if you throw them into the ring, I'd be like, yeah, I'll, I'll at least give them some consideration. You could put them all onto a spreadsheet, find out what the numbers kind of tell you. And I, I get it. And the impact that he's had, like going beyond the numbers, I just feel like Joey Votto this year. And I, I think it was B.A. who mentioned this a little bit ago. He's had almost like a mentor uh, type of a role for that team. And I think it's been valuable for them to have that guy. So we keep scoreboard watching now. The Braves are not in the wild card race because they lead the division, but yet it's nip and tuck with the National League East and they beat up on the Marlins. Freddie unloads deep to right field. That ball is gone. Freeman just reeled him in. Got to a 3-1 count and the homer hitting Braves do it again. A three-run shot for Freeman. He's got 68 RBIs and the Braves have a 5-2 lead. One of the best in the sport, Freddie Freeman and our buddy Chip Carey. The Rockies... Well, we mentioned the Padres. They're having issues. This ball well hit to right. This is a walk-off. C.J. Crowd, number 20. Little shaky top of the night. Very beautiful bottom of the night. C.J. Crone with the walk-off. So the Padres lose 6-5. And the Mets, they are reeling. Hit well to center field. Nimmo back. Still going back. The center field wall and the Giants jump back ahead. Chris Bryant goes deep. Chris Bryant, who he launches one deep left. Giants go back to back. Chris Bryant, his second of the night. So two home runs for Bryant. They beat the Mets seven five. Mets are reeling right now. Four and eleven in their fifteen Ooh, games boy. since the trade deadline, Dan. And those four wins, three of them came against this version of the Washington Nationals, which is not the same team that we saw when the Cardinals played the Nationals. And then one other came against the Marlins. It's been rough, and the schedule does not let up. They've got two more against San Francisco, four against LA, and then another three against San Francisco after that. I do not expect the Mets to be in the playoff race for a whole lot longer i expect you to be here the next three hours what do you have coming up so we are going solo with tanner hendrickson in with us today alex ferrario is out he will be back in tomorrow coming up at 11 30 will salmon i hope that i'm saying the gentleman's name correctly he is the brewers insider for the athletic he had a great piece recently about the uh, new approach offensively that the brewers are taking so we'll talk to him at, about that coming up at 11 30 jeremy rutherford coming up at 12 15 and of course a lot of Cardinals between now and the end of the show at two o'clock. You've been listening to the Danny Mac show with BK, the podcast powered by I promise. Peloton, let's go. This holiday with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. 
We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.